the automated podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Automated. I'm Mark Verbenkov, and this is the podcast exploring the impact of technology on jobs. So before getting into this week's topic, which is on virtual reality and augmented reality, I wanted to talk about one really quick thing, which I thought was uh, quite interesting that relates to last week's episode on autonomous vehicles. So I was at a two-day meeting this week, and during the dinner of the first night, I was talking to some of the people that were attending the meeting, and the topic changed to autonomous vehicles. And it was really interesting to hear the perspective of one of the people especially, as they had, uh, I believe, a two- and a five-year-old child, And when they talk to parents with children of the same age, and it talks about the future of their children, one of the things that uh, tends to come up is that how their children might never have to have a driver's license as autonomous vehicles and specifically cars will be so predominant in society that this will never have to be happened. So I thought that this was uh, quite an interesting idea as the idea or the concept of an automated uh, transportation system is already kind of in the public zeitgeist. But moving back to today's topic, which is on virtual reality or VR and augmented reality or AR, um, I think that these are perhaps some of the technologies that I'm actually the least familiar with, especially as to how they'll impact jobs, mostly because I've never really been all that impressed with the technology as I've seen it as kind of uh, yet another overhyped technology that hasn't really delivered on its promises, especially in the last couple of years. However, I've had a pretty big change of heart only the last few weeks, and especially this week, which is why I wanted to talk about uh, these technologies in this podcast, because during the uh, two-day meeting that I went to, we were actually brought to a virtual reality game center as part of a team-building activity, Um, and I was completely blown away at how absolutely immersive the VR experience was. So overall, we played about uh, four games, and two of them really stood out to me. So the the first one was uh, a basic archery game where you are shooting a couple of large balloons or balls that kept coming closer and closer to you, and you had to shoot them in order to pop them, and then you'd score some points. However, if you ended up missing one of these balls or balloons, uh, it would actually come directly at you. And I felt several times that as it came within roughly arm's range, I felt myself really moving backwards to kind of get out of the way of this virtual ball, even though, of course, there was nothing there, as it really felt that I would be hit by these balls if I didn't move. So the second game was one where you were on a platform and you were trying to shoot robots that would be buzzing around and they'd be trying to shoot you. Uh, It was a ton of fun, but you really felt like you were on a platform in space with a bunch of robots actually buzzing around you trying to shoot you. And when uh, I lost my three lives and had to take off the headset, it actually took me a minute or two to actually readjust back to reality. And this was also mentioned by many of the other people that I was playing with. Uh, So I actually highly recommend anyone to test out, at the very least, some virtual reality games if you're interested in this technology. There are actually quite a number of these uh, VR arcades or game centers in most big cities nowadays. So I just want to add one small idea to the sense of immersion that you get when you're actually in these games. So at this uh, arcade or game center where I was, there was a staff member who was actually explaining all the games to us before we played. And during the second or third game, he was actually reminding everybody not to place the controller on these virtual kitchen counters um, as they clearly didn't exist. Though this didn't happen to anybody in our group, apparently in the past this has happened many times where people get so immersed in these games that when they feel like the game is finished, they 
actually place the controller on the virtual kitchen counter or even some people were so immersed that they ended up leaning on these virtual kitchen counters and actually falling down or breaking the controller or even damaging the headset as well as themselves. But then again, this is 2019 and the technologies are actually relatively far advanced. But why don't we briefly look at actually where they came from in order to get a better perspective. So it was actually all the way back in 1962 that somebody named Morton Heilig built a working prototype of something called Sensorama. This actually looked like a big box where you could sit down at, uh, put your head in and experience an immersive virtual reality video. But it also had the seat move as well as uh, little smells being burst into your face and even small rushes of wind. So you got a, a full immersion of whatever it was that was being played there. Then a couple of years later, uh, at Harvard in 1965, somebody by the name of Ivan Sutherland built something called the Ultimate Display, um, also called the Sword of Damocles, and it was actually the very first virtual reality headset. However, it was so heavy that it actually had to be suspended from the ceiling, and it was so primitive that it simply showed uh, wireframe rooms, so hardly uh, anything that we're used to today. I'll have pictures of both of these up in the show notes, so if you want to get a better image of what these things are, feel free to check it out. So for the rest of the 1960s as well as the 70s, uh, further development in VR and AR was seen, but it really wasn't until 1985 that NASA actually made something called a virtual environment workstation, and it was here where the term virtual reality was actually coined. So this product, built by NASA, actually was a head-mounted system that doesn't actually look too far off from what we have today, though it was still very primitive and very bulky. And then if we fast forward to the 90s, uh, here VR was really picked up by video game manufacturers like Sega and Nintendo, but their products actually flopped really quickly, and VR receded a little bit from mainstream focus since then, with of course research and development still continuing, but with less effort as before. And it really wasn't until 2012 that VR came back, with a large Kickstarter campaign for the Oculus Rift. This is a headset that was built for predominantly gaming purposes, and this actually sparked a new wave of VR interest, where Facebook first actually bought Oculus for some $2 billion in 2014, only two years after the Kickstarter campaign, and other big-name brands such as uh, Samsung, Sony, and Microsoft also entered the industry. But before we move into the uh, current applications as well as possible impacts of VR, why don't we briefly look at the history of AR as well. So augmented reality or AR, unlike virtual reality, which creates an entire digital reality, AR overlays as well as integrates digital data onto reality, which can actually be anything from images, sounds, video, or additional data. So though AR's initial steps are also the exact same as VR's, Augmented reality only really began in 1990, and this was actually when it was coined by a researcher by the name of Tom Caldell at uh, Boeing, where he was trying to help workers with the manufacturing of airplanes by projecting schematics as well as manufacturing processes onto the actual um, planes that they were building. But AR didn't gain real mainstream traction until 2013 through Google Glass. 
And if you don't recall, these are the glasses that Google was developing that had clear frames and would enable uh, an overlay of an augmented reality um, to be able to be seen through the glasses. However, these were discontinued in 2015 due to mostly privacy fears, but also due to their uh, high cost. There is a great video of the fears that are showcased in the show notes. If you want, you can check it out. It's a pretty decent parody of the trailer that Google Glass uh, was promoting. And it kind of shows a dysutopian future of Google and the massive amount of ads that would be seen through Google Glass. So though this was a failure, augmented reality really came to the mainstream through a video game uh, called Pokemon Go. And this was released in July of 2016. And in less than a month, it had over a million downloads worldwide. Now, if you're like me and you've never actually played the game, essentially what you do is you walk around the city and depending on where you are, a Pokemon creature can pop up and you can try to catch it. However, the interesting part of this is that through Google Maps and your smartphone camera, a digital world is actually overlaid onto the physical world, allowing Pokemon to appear on sidewalks or in parks, next to churches or bus stops, etc. So you see the Pokemon through your phone while pointing the camera at the world around you, making it look like the Pokemon are actually part of the real physical world. And different Pokemon also appear in different geographical locations, like near water or in open fields, based on the game being completely linked to Google Maps. So this should have given you a brief summary of the history and movement into mainstream consciousness of both VR and AR. But why don't we turn our attention now to the current use, as well as the actual impact on jobs of these technologies. So as the industry is relatively new, it's actually a bit of a challenge to identify what the main impacts are and will be. But the first and obvious impact is that this is a growing industry. And with an industry growth comes new jobs. So in 2018, the size of the worldwide augmented reality and virtual reality market was estimated to be around 27 billion US dollars. However, this is fully expected to grow up to $209 billion in just four years. And uh, consumer hardware, these are mostly the headsets that allow for uh, video games to be played, such as the one that I was using, but also to watch videos, surf the web, as well as interact in online communities like the new Horizon that is coming out. This is a, a community that Facebook is pushing. You can think of it as something similar to the video game Second Life, but with many more features and completely virtual. So this is consumer hardware and it is still the biggest uh, market for virtual and augmented reality. And a very quick Google search can actually show you that most types of jobs in these industries are actually moderate to high skill based. So some of these include uh, content producers, software engineer, uh, AR and VR content writers, uh, product management, quality assurance, etc. So there are no really low-skilled jobs on this list. I'm sure that some do exist, but the main point that I'm trying to make here is that this industry is not generating low-skilled work, but high-skilled work, which is kind of one of the themes or trends that have been continuing in these podcast episodes. However, for both AR and VR, they can mainly be seen as supporting technologies, not primarily automating jobs, but definitely modifying work in different ways. So we can look at a few of these now. 
So for VR, I actually had a quite interesting chat with uh, the staff member at the game center that I was at earlier this week. And he was explaining that their main business is actually not the games uh, or the game center, but something that I found to be a little bit more interesting. So they actually create virtual models for various products. Uh, the one example that he was uh, explaining to me was that they were creating a model of the train of the future or of the train of 2030. So they build a model in VR and then uh, public authorities, design experts, and others are invited to actually mark in this VR model where the seats should be, where people should stand, where the doors are, etc. And once this is all done, the model is completed, and then this is sold to a train manufacturer. So it should be pretty obvious, but this drastically cuts down on both the time to design, make any modifications, and the overall process for generating any kind of product be it a train, be it a skyscraper, uh, an airplane, a house, anything uh, large and complex like that. So VR also has a big impact on training. So last week I mentioned that I was recently at a workshop in Brussels that was looking at the future of mobility in Europe. And one of the presenters came from a Finland-based truck training center and the representative was explaining that in Finland there is a new regulation that requires uh, truck drivers to go in for training or upskilling at least once a year. And the center that this uh, representative was working at said that there was not enough capacity and certainly not enough equipment within the training centers to accommodate all the truck drivers coming in for this training or upskilling period. So what they did was actually implement VR systems to make up for the slack. And they even had a test where there were two groups that were trained, uh, one with real trucks and another with a VR training system. And the end results were actually comparable. So this means that the VR training was actually sufficient for the drivers to pass the requirements of the test and receive the green light to continue driving. So I thought that this was really interesting and is only one of the many examples out there for how VR is going to be impacting training over the coming years. So another way that VR will be impacting work in the future is to actually enable or make easier remote work. So there's a lot of work done remotely nowadays, and one of the main critiques or main problems of this is that there isn't enough face-to-face -face opportunity or time, which is where you can really solve a lot of the problems that an organization or project come across. So VR, in theory, will enable this sort of face-to-face -face interaction, but over, of course, a digital medium. And the claim is that through the use of VR, this should substitute the face-to-face -face interaction. So it will still enable these problems to be solved in a similar way to being face-to-face. -face. So we can now move back to augmented reality. And one of the first places that this will have an impact on is specifically education. So during my master's program, I actually went to a medical lab and was shown a digital heart that could actually be moved and interacted with. So it could be uh, turned around or viewed from different angles, etc. So it was able to actually give students a much better sense of what a heart actually looked like compared to the very basic 3D pictures that all students had in their textbooks. So this clearly makes it easier for the students to learn how uh, a heart or any kind of organ actually functions and looks like. This also made it more interesting for professors to teach this part of uh, anatomy classes, as well as made it easier for them to convey what the students needed to learn, as uh, books are not nearly as good at conveying these things as uh, pictures, diagrams, and specifically moving ones that can be interacted with. 
So that's it for education. And moving on to industry, we can see that Microsoft has perhaps the number one leader for AR headsets uh, called the HoloLens. And this is already heavily used within manufacturing. So many car manufacturers, such as uh, Ford, Volvo, Audi, etc., use the HoloLens to help their designers quickly see their changes that they're making uh, to a vehicle design. So they can actually see the proposed changes on a car itself rather than just on a computer screen or a smaller model of that car itself. So as you can imagine, this is actually a pretty powerful process. And the same is actually done for the design of certain buildings or houses or skyscrapers, etc. However, I think that the even more interesting application for this is during surgeries, where MRI data for a specific patient can actually be overlaid onto them during a surgery, giving the doctor or the surgeon a much better view of what they're interacting with, rather than just looking at a computer screen or kind of going in there blind. So finally, we can look at the consumer side of things. Uh, and I think a really good example of this is IKEA's Place app. So here you can use your phone to put a digital overlay of various IKEA furniture in your house or apartment to get a much better sense of what it'll look like. And these overlays are actually very true to scale. So IKEA has termed this a try before you buy idea. And this really shows that consumer adoption is really just kind of starting. So this is clearly a benefit for consumers. But what happens when IKEA begins to shift more towards being like Amazon, where you are able to have things delivered without needing to go to a brick and mortar store? And what percentage of the 200,000 or so people working for IKEA will no longer be needed to provide the services that they do today? Not to mention this being coupled with autonomous vehicles. Now, this is, of course, pure conjecture, but I do kind of think that the current trends seem to hint that this is the way things are moving. But as mentioned before, AR and VR are really just starting to make their entrance now. Uh, there has been a substantial amount of hype around these technologies, but I think after having personally used at least virtual reality, I can say that this is a very exciting domain, even if the impacts won't necessarily be strictly on jobs in terms of automation. I do think that there will be a substantial impact on how we engage through these technologies with each other. But what are your thoughts on this? Is AR and VR mostly just hype or is it actually going to be an integral part of our lives as well as jobs going forward, uh, just like computers or smartphones were? So last week I asked for your opinion on blockchain or IoT as the next episode. Uh, thanks to those who let me know that they were more interested in hearing about blockchain. Sorry for putting it off for a week, but as I just had this uh, virtual reality experience, I was excited to do this episode. But next week, blockchain will definitely be looked at. And of course, don't forget to go to iTunes and leave a review if you want to help out the podcast. Thanks for listening. See you guys next week. The Automated Podcast.